Warriors Life podcast uh, back for 2021. Um, woken from our sleepy summer by the Roger Tuivasa-Sheck bombshell. And I'm Will Evans, joined by um, Michael Burgess, who seems to be our go-to for any um, any earth-shattering Warriors news these days. Um, Michael, thanks for joining us. How are you, mate? Well, I'm very good. As you say, it, uh, it had been a brilliant summer, Will. It had really been a great summer. It had been a wonderful January all around the country, I think. The weather had been great and the sun was shining. And everything was fantastic until, until we uh, started hearing those rumours. When was it? It was. Um, I think it was, it was on Thursday, a maybe. Thursday, Thursday, Thursday yeah. and you hear the rumours. And um, and uh, from my dealings with those this kind of news over the last three or four years, I had a feeling that would be true because I, I know what what's happened in the past. But yeah, it was certainly um, a pretty sour way to start the year for Warriors fans. Yeah, it seemed a bit of a foregone conclusion this time when that uh, the news sort of broke uh, late last week compared to, to other times where it was sort of more speculation. Um, now you've had a couple of days to digest it, though. How are you, how are you feeling about the the exit? Well, <laughs> well, I mean, it's terrible. It's terrible for the Warriors. Uh, it's terrible for the sport. You know, if you look at it just on face value... Um, He's an icon of the club, absolute icon of the club that, you know, would have been talked about among the top five or ten players in the club's history, I would have thought. Um, and he's also import, so important for the wider sport. You know, he's, he's almost the face of New Zealand League. Got, of course, we've got big names in Australia, but the fact that he's here playing for the, the only club here and he's the captain, you know, it, it's massive. So it's a real kick in the nuts, and especially that he's, going to rugby rather than going to another NRL club because it sort of reinforces that perception that, that oh, rugby is, is the be-all and end-all. Rugby is everything and, and every kid wants to be an all-black, which, you know, I don't think is is altogether that 100% true these days. I think there are plenty of kids who want to do different things in their sporting career. So, yeah, the first reaction was uh, it was pretty, <laughs> pretty terrible uh, from a lot of perspectives. Um, I could certainly understand why Roger has made the decision, and we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll get to this later. And there's some very good reasons. And you know, another way of looking at it, Will, is that um, the club hasn't fulfilled the promises they made when they signed him, and, and they've let him down in, in quite a few ways. Uh, whereas he has kind of delivered what he uh, was signed to do. So there is that side of it. But yeah, it was certainly. I don't know how you felt, but it was certainly that a weird sort of uh, state of... It wasn't shock, but it was... I was thinking back to the other times, like I remember before I was probably writing about the Warriors, but the shock when it was announced that Ali Lauatiti was leaving was sort of a big one. Stacey Jones was similar. Um, the Simon Mannering retirement was a bit sad, but, but kind of expected. Sean Johnson was, was really, really, really uh, sad, and that still kind of has some lingering... Uh, resentment about that one, but yeah, this is uh, this is one of the one of the bigger ones I can remember. Yeah, certainly deflating was probably the the word I'd use to describe how I felt. Um, I well, particularly after the, this the news initially broke, um, pretty much a foregone conclusion by the time they called the press conference on Saturday. Um, as you say, one of the you know at Warriors icon, I, I honestly would just about put him up there as number three um, as far as Warriors of all time behind um, 
Stacey and Simon Mannering, despite him only being there for six seasons. Uh, that's just the impact he's had. You know, first uh, Warriors Delhi M winner, then the Golden Boot the following year, and then everything he did for the club last year, all the sacrifices he made, and probably the best Kiwi rugby league player of the of the past decade. Obviously, um, NRL team of the decade 2010s as well. So. Um, yeah, for someone a figurehead of our sport to go the rival code, um, pretty disappointing. Um, on the other hand, I, I've I've got some positives to draw out of it, um, albeit um, here we go, here we go. Albeit at, at it, with the um, with the caveat that it's that I'm obviously very disappointed that he's going and would much prefer him um, to stay. Um, but yeah, I think you know we've had him, we've had him in rugby league at the elite level for ten years. It's been a hell of a career already. Um, it's not quite like he's sort of leaving, um, leaving sort of as he was entering his prime, like you know, with like a Sunny Bill when he went to rugby the yeah. first time. Um, of course, there's a lot more that, that Roger could achieve in rugby league if he if he stayed, and he would have become you know one of the all time greats. Uh, overall, not just talking about Kiwis, I think um, you know of of the modern era. Um, but given that the, the news has come out at the start of the season, we've still got him for twenty twenty one. Of course, um, my, one of my first reactions after the press conference was that this you know can be a driving force for the Warriors in in twenty twenty one. We could see a pretty um, a pretty memorable farewell for Roger. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, you you know, Roger, you've spoken to him, uh, of course, a few times, and, and I know him as well, and the thing with Roger is he won't be putting the queue in the rack. You know, there'll be no sort of, uh, there'll be no uh, saving himself or holding back. He he is, um, I don't know, he's such, a, he's such a professional and such a dedicated person that I... When he says, and when he said on Saturday that he's going to be fully focused on the NRL season, there's no reason to doubt that. You know, he will want to give everything um, to this campaign, to this season, and you're exactly right. Uh, it could have been much worse. It could have been, look, <laughs> I, I'm leaving now, you know, and I'm, I'm gone and, and I'm going to go and play for the Blues next week sort of thing. So you're exactly yeah. right. We've still got one more season. Um, and the other point you make is a good one. League has had him for... For uh, well, a decade virtually. It is a decade, um, and he, he played a lot of rugby as a kid, and he could have gone to rugby. I remember speaking to, to Bruce Sharrick, his agent. He's been his long time agent. He, he, Bruce, signed, Bruce signed him up um, when he came to prominence as a schoolboy, and you know they, they had um, they had the Blues and another Super Rugby franchise after him, and of course they had the Roosters and they had the Warriors. There's maybe one other in our club. Um, he went with the Roosters mainly because he was really impressed with the, the pitch that the Roosters gave and the, the opportunities for his family in Sydney and just little things like he was really impressed with the, with the university he'd go to in, in Sydney, etc., etc. And, and the rest is history. But yeah, you're right. Back at that time, he could have he could have gone to rugby, and we would have never seen him in league. So there certainly there certainly are some positives, and when you when you let the news the news sink in, and and um, I. I as I was saying before, I don't. Not too much resentment towards Roger for making this decision. You know, he's, he's a pretty genuine guy, and he's he's been talking for three or four years about the fact that his biggest motivation is the challenge, 
and the biggest buzz he gets is playing on the biggest stage. And the issue has been that he hasn't had the chance to play on the biggest stage. You know, he's had... Um, I remember doing a story last year and six seasons at the Warriors, of course, and he did one finals game. And then at the Roosters, uh, from memory, it was something like nine or ten finals games, um, a grand final, and two prelim finals. You know, so that, that that's quite a contrast. He just hasn't got what he, what he was hoping for. And then, of course, with the Kiwis, he was unfortunately part of that um, 2017 World Cup chaos when, when you know, he, everyone was expecting it would be quite a triumphant uh, campaign for the Kiwis. So, you know, it has. You can see why he's he's got frustrated and he looks with envy at the fact that um, at the All Blacks playing on these um, massive stages in front of huge crowds. Yeah, looking at his, his um, Kiwis career, he was unfortunate to, to miss out on obviously um, debut during that 2013 um, World Cup when he was still playing on the wing. Missed the 2014 Four Nations triumph uh, through injury from memory. Um, and I think he might have even missed the 2018 win over the Kangaroos um, through injury as well. Uh, but 20 tests for the Kiwis, um, probably not quite the... the um, the all-time great Kiwis career that we that he probably would have gone on to have. Um, I think that's probably fair to say. I think if he was going to play out his career with the Kiwis, his, his uh, legacy would have been as the greatest New Zealand fullback of all time. I, I still think as far as purely Kiwis go, he's, he's a wee way still behind Des White and, and Matthew Ridge even. Um, is, that, is that how you'd, uh, how you'd view it? There's been a series of missed opportunities, hasn't there, Will? Yeah. I mean, he did miss that 2014 uh, tri- uh, tri- Four Nations, and we were a bit worried about that at the time, and people were actually a bit upset, because I remember he missed it because the Roosters um, took him out of it, uh, and uh, Trent Robinson said at the time, oh, we need him to have a long pre-season because he's going to learn to be a fullback. And we were like, typical, this is um, an NRL club, you know, that shouldn't be getting in the way of international football. So that was quite frustrating. But then Peter Hicku came in at an amazing series. Roger did play in that. Um, I remember watching him in that Anzac test in 2015. Yeah, that's right. In uh, Brisbane, uh, which was the third successive win. He, he had an amazing game, uh, uh, both on attack, but in the second half when they just held him out, held him out. He was, he was brilliant. Um, he also had a couple of great games against the uh, Lions. Um, which I think, you know, he, he was, I thought he was player of, series, player of the series against the Lions, just outstanding. And then in that first World Cup you mentioned, I mean, it was only he had that really bad injury, didn't he, in the, um, uh, in the semi-final. Uh, but he still scored two great tries yeah, and I think yeah. got injured in the semi-final and only played the first five minutes of the final. But he had an amazing World Cup. I mean, he was such a, he was a young kid, he scored a bucket load of tries. So he's had, he's had some great moments in the Kiwis jersey. Um but he has missed a few a few games here and there and been a bit unlucky. But yeah, certainly, um, I guess we were hoping that the icing on the cake would be the World Cup um, at the end of this year. Uh, I don't know if he'll be involved in that. I assume he won't be, uh, because I'd say that he'll finish in NRL season and the, the Blues will want him in, um, in November. I don't think they'll be happy with him uh, spending... You know, six weeks uh, in the UK, assuming the World Cup goes ahead. So that, that's a bit of a shame because that's, that's the other thing that crossed my mind is that, uh, geez, he's going to be a real loss for the Kiwis at that World Cup, uh, which I, and I give them a great chance at the World Cup. 
but you know that's that's just um, one of those things. The Kiwis have certainly lost plenty of players before big tournaments yeah. in the past, and they uh, <laughs> will continue to do so. Yeah, that's right. But I think um, you know, no one's indispensable at club and international level, and I'm sure there's. It's not like the jersey's just going to be empty, and they have to play with twelve. There'll be um, someone to step up uh, for the Kiwis and and the Warriors. Um, I guess looking ahead now, there's also the um, the positive that there's now 1.1 million dollars to spend in the Warriors' salary cap. Um, so I thought I'd just go through a few of the options, get your early takes, and um, and where the Warriors will spend it. Do you think they'll uh, splash out on another fullback or spend the money elsewhere and and um, manufacture a, a fullback from within, or uh, what's your What's your sort of uh, early gut feeling? It's hard to know what they do because the reason I say that is because they haven't had a consistent strategy over the over the last four or five years. And I don't like to criticise them, but they have been pretty scattered in their approach. You know, they're 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 not like the storm or the roosters, where you talk to the storm and the storm will tell you. As much as we don't like things about the storm, they'll tell you this is our lineup. We we've got. This is the lineup we're going to have in 2024. They can tell you that now, you know. And this is a, this is what our backline we think is going to look like in 2023. I've never, I haven't seen that from the Warriors in the last uh, four or five years. So it's hard to know what they'll do. Personally, I, I'd be interested to see. They might actually focus on some other areas. You know, they've spent big on the pack um, this season, of course, with some recruits, and they might continue to go down that area because they, they probably might be thinking we'll, we've had a few years with our marquee player as fullback. Maybe it's time to maybe it's time to look somewhere else and just have a fullback who's is really good but doesn't have to be, you know, the best player in the team and the best player in the comp because it really depends who's available. I mean there's got to be a temptation to look at Peter Hicku because he never he never lets you down. But my feeling with him is he's the kind of he's such so good at centre number one. At number two he's probably the kind of guy that's good to slot in for two or three games as a backup. But I don't know if he's suited to week in, week out fullback. Just because uh, it's such an intense position and you're involved uh, in so much of the game, and I, I just think he's, he's more, maybe more suited to, to centre. One thing I think they've got to consider is, is someone like Brandon Smith. I really do. Um, you know, with the news about Carl Lawton uh, being out with injury again, Wade Egan wasn't bad last year. Uh, but it's either long-term answer, I'm not sure, and he's had a few injuries here and there too. And you look at someone like Brandon Smith, who's still young and got so much ability, uh, he wouldn't be that expensive, but he wouldn't be cheap. And you just wonder if he's the kind of guy you can build a team round um, and, and, you know, to have a really good, solid hooker would be would be something else. The only issue with Brandon, I, I guess, is that he's... <laughs> He's, he's quite young, but he's played a lot of football. And the way the Storm have used him as a sort of battering ram, uh, and he's small, uh, you just wonder, I guess you've got to wonder about the wear and tear on his body. And so you wonder, you know, if you bring him in, and then what's he going to be like in a couple of years? Because certainly, the, yeah, the way the Storm have used him, given his size, they've certainly um, they've certainly thrashed him a bit. But, you know, Brandon Smith could be someone to look at. Uh, Paul Turner, I, I really rate him and uh, his ability. Uh, in a number of positions, and then I'm sure Will, knowing you, you've got a few fullback options in mind in terms of 
players from other clubs that you could see them looking at? Yeah, there's a few contenders. I just want to go back to Peter Hooker, and as you mentioned, he has um, never let the team down when he's he's played at fullback. I think he's filled in five times for Roger for three wins from memory, and he's always been one of the best on the field. Um, mm. Whether they win or lose without Roger, um, he's one of four nations at fullback when Roger was yeah. injured in 2014. Um, probably a bit of there's some advantages there. Obviously, doesn't have quite the work rate and, and just the impact and, and obviously the the footwork and all of that that Roger does. But he's probably a better ball, ball player and the number one. Um, but yeah, yep. it's a good point you make that he's you know a full season at fullback is is a lot uh, different to just filling in here and there. Um, and yeah, as you said, Paul Turner, um, love to see what he could do. Um, yeah, there's. I guess a bit of an unknown at the moment uh, whether he's sort of up to taking over a role that important this early in his career. Um, same with Rocco Berry I, I still haven't seen much of him but he's talked up as a as a potential long term number one um, and looking I guess out, outside of the club uh, for a number one there's guys like Nico Hines who's stuck behind Ryan Pappenhausen at the Storm um, Caleb Aikens who's moved to Canberra in the off season but he'll be uh, behind Chance um, and Matt Dufty who almost came to the Warriors um, a few years ago he's off contract and doesn't sound that happy at the Dragons so there's an option there um, other guys off contract William Kennedy at the Sharks um, and probably long shots here and not sure that they're the kind of players we'd want to spend the money on but Will Hopawati and Latrell Mitchell so certainly no shortage of options um, to fill that void um, but yeah, Brendan Smith again. I think it seems, seems like the um, he'd be the player I would uh, choose to spend the money on if if um, if I could. But it sounds like maybe the biggest barrier to him coming is that he doesn't actually want to. Um, he seems pretty keen on potentially the Titans if he um, if he doesn't stay with the Storm. Um, yeah, just uh, the the noise around it seems to be that he's uh, not going to end up. At the Warriors, no matter what the what the um, money or the situation is. Yeah, I can see I can see that actually. I think I think there's a point there that he just he's been in Australia a long time. You know, he's at the Cowboys for a while. He had a bit of trouble there, but he was there, and then at the Storm for a long time. And he's just one of those guys that he's got really used to the Australian lifestyle and the Australian environment, and I think he enjoys it. And um, uh, you know, a bit like Adam Blair maybe. And so coming back might be uh, quite tricky and also uh, there would be a lot of pressure on him. He doesn't seem to mind pressure but um, uh, it would there would be a lot of pressure as a local boy. So yeah, that you know, <laughs> in an ideal world you think about him, you think about Jerome Hughes as another option. I don't think the Storm will let Hughes go in a million years because he's, he's just been brilliant the way he's uh, improved uh, drastically in what he can do and he, he just seems to be getting better. So um, those two are kind of long shots, I think, Will. But I like I like the idea of the first three players that you mentioned, the guy at the Storm and the guy stuck behind Chance. Um, you know, because there's, there's always there's always gold in those kind of players. Uh, it's like the James Maloney scenario, you know. There's always players there who are just waiting for a chance and you just got to pick the right one. So um, that I think that's got to give Warriors fans some confidence in that there are actually some options out there, you know, and some good options. Uh, so if the club do this well, um, I should really get too 
good players for the amount of money that they were spending on Roger. They should be able to get two good players in in two key positions. So you know that that, that well, they won't be able to replace Roger on or off the field, obviously. But um, that will ease a bit of the pain. And you know who knows with the, the two right players, um, it could could make the the squad even stronger for twenty twenty two. And back to your point before about not necessarily needing the um, our fullback to be the highest paid or our best player, and I know there's a bit of an obsession to with having you know the best uh, the best fullback going around at such an advantage. But um, there's plenty of other teams that have that are better than us at the moment with a far uh, less accomplished fullback than Roger, or have done better in recent seasons with you know just sort of uh, mid range, I guess. Um, Fullback by NRL standards, and I've just got a, a couple of uh, stats here for you. I know how much you enjoy those. I love Michael. my stats. Here we go. So the Warriors, have, the Warriors have had um, three marquee fullbacks. So you put in the marquee class, salary and ability-wise: Matthew Ridge, Sam Tompkins, and Roger Tuivasa-Sheck. Um, that's ten seasons we've had with them. In the Warriors, number one, they've um, made the finals between them once in ten seasons. Um, with, our, with our sort of mid-range, I guess, fullbacks, you'd call them Ivan Cleary, Brent Webb, Wade McKinnon, Lance O'Hire and Kevin Lott. All, all very good players, but certainly not in that sort of you know um, top shelf of, of fullback, uh, probably when they were at the Warriors. Seven of 13 seasons, they made the finals, so... You know, it's not necessarily an advantage to be spending so much, such a big percentage of your salary cap. In saying that, I'd far rather Roger was staying, but you know, maybe a better balance to the team might be uh, uh, the way to go for the Warriors, and and that pattern might repeat itself. Yeah, I mean, it's a great point. I mean, uh, the game's changed a bit. I mean, Rich when he came was was still seen as really important, but now it seems what is it two decades on. The fullback's even more important. They go on about how it's, you know some people seem to think the most important player in the team, and Tedesco's always held up as the big, the big example. But but you're exactly right. Uh, I was thinking back to Cleary and Ohio. I'd forgotten about about Webb and Locke, of course. I mean, Locke still frustrates me partly with himself down, but you know that whole Locke Tompkins fiasco when we had yeah. a perfectly good fullback and um, we brought another guy. But that's a subject for another day. But um, uh, yeah, the, the, I, I think that I think the, <laughs> the answer as to why we don't need another bend another guy like Rogers because the answer is Roger because we've had Roger and we haven't been good enough to use him. So if you get someone that uh, is, you know is trying to get someone just as good, we could put Disco in our team and, and the Warriors team and still not be able to use him well. You know that that's been that's been one of the most frustrating things of the last. Um, three or four seasons, and you and I have talked about this quite a few times, Will, that we've had an absolute thoroughbred at the back and been using him like a cart horse, you know. Um, He's been, you know, the most highly skilled, expensive guy in the NRL doing hit-ups, you know. That's what, he's got to do hit-ups because other people weren't doing them, et cetera, et cetera. And then you look at the Roosters and how they used the Desco, you know, it's a a well-worn argument. But, but that, that's been the issue is the Warriors haven't been able to get the best out of Rogers' abilities because they haven't been able to make space for him and, and make make the yardage to give him the chance to, 
to show his ability, you know. It's always him trying to do things with defences on top of him often, you know. And that was that was what's so nice about 2018. We had that season with, with some um, memorable games and you saw him at his very best. So, yeah, I think that's the reason. There's no point chasing other Roger because until we, can, until we have the platform to use the fullback properly, you just want someone like uh, Ivan Cleary, Lanta Hire, Brett Webb, Kevin Locke, who are all, yeah, as you say, they're all just extremely valuable players, solid players, and that's what the Warriors have got to go for, I think. And they have adjusted without him when he has been there away for the odd game. Um, Roger, they, you know, they do it, they adjust, they're not lost without Roger there, so, um, yeah, maybe it's a, a little bit of a case that they've been a bit too over-reliant on him, but... Um, yeah, and, and obviously now with the advantage of also being able to to spend uh, his salary cap money on one or two other players, uh, very good players as well, so may end up with a, a better balanced overall, a better team potentially in 2022. Um, there's also the, the issue that we've got a lot of players off contract this year, that obviously makes um, that whole scenario a bit easier for the club, a bit of um, leeway there in front of the queue, Tohu Harris, um, Peter Hicku and Jazz Tavanga, probably three players they all would really like to hang on to. Um, not that we really want to be upgrading them massively, but um, it, it certainly gives you a bit more leeway there. And then there's a, a lot of uh, younger guys like Paul Turner, we've already talked about, and, and um, sort of mid-range guys like Carl Lawton, Bunty Afaran, Lisa Narmau, all off contract. I think Adam Pompey from memory is as well. So it gives them a, a bit more to play with there. Yeah, I mean, there'd be a few... Con- I think if you, if you lost uh, Tohu Harris, there'd be, there'd be a few concerns because he was, um, uh, you know, he was, he was just simply wonderful uh, last year. So you'd want to make it a priority to hang on to him because that'd be a bit of a, a, bit of a double blow because we've been very positive uh, for, for most of this chat, world, which is good, and, it, and it's, it's realistic to be positive. But, but the one, I guess, the one overriding concern I have uh, about all of this is that Roger has been such a strong leader, uh, such a such a good leader. He's been, you know, two hundred percent. He's he has uh, led that team in so many ways off the field, set the example for culture, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, along with along with Torhu and some others. But take him out of that group, and uh, you've got some new players coming in this year that would have been there a year. But just the issue with him out of there, the vacuum he leaves. Uh, just my hope is that there's some really strong individuals to take his place and there's going to need to be a group of them uh, because because Adam Blair whatever you think about Adam Blair he was good at the leadership stuff behind the scenes he, he's not there anymore um, you hope that, that Fenua Blake and Murdoch Masilla provide that leadership uh, I don't know, I haven't dealt with those two guys myself so I don't know what they're like they could be, they could be leaders or they could be like a um, Ben Matalino type, where they're, they're, they're big, big, strong forwards, but they're actually just pretty quiet guys who, who just do their job. So that's the one concern for me uh, that, that I'm sure, and I hope they'll solve, is just the vacuum that Roger leaves in terms of the, the culture and the leadership, and, and they really need um, some some strong individuals to to replace that. Because we all know, you know, it, it is it's always tough for the Warriors whether they're <laughs> whether they're based in Australia or whether they're travelling across to Australia every second week and with the sort of ongoing 
refereeing uh, misinterpretations and all this sort of thing. Um, so you need you need strong people in there. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. There's doesn't seem to be quite those strong personalities once you take uh, Roger out of the out of the mix. Uh, you know, Toru is probably the obvious um, captaincy replacement if he stays on, and, and then you look at guys like uh, Cody Nikarima, uh Peter Hooker as their sort of longer serving sort of guys and and you know veteran Kiwis and that sort of thing but uh, none of them seem like the sort of uh, players that thrive on that sort of role is that fair to say yeah yeah definitely not definitely not uh, not Hector Cody's Cody's a leader in his own way uh, but he'd be more of a um, yeah in his own way I'd say the guy that might come through as a leader is someone like Chanel you know he's yeah. actually a guy that I could see in in a couple of years actually, you know, uh, coming through as a leader. And he might end up being more comfortable as a captain or a leader than, say, Sean was, and then, say, Cody is, you know. Yeah. So he's a guy that, if he continues to develop, uh, you might be able to build a club around. There's a lot to put on his shoulders now, but certainly I can see some of that, um, that potential in him. Yeah, I think the first time I met him as a 17-year-old, sort of got the feeling of future captain and everything he's done on the field has has shown that to me and the way he conducts himself Um, obviously still pretty early in his career though and uh, he's probably not going to be burdened with that sort of thing so he's probably going to need to another few years under good leaders to to develop into a captain I guess but um, yeah certainly someone I see further down the track because hopefully it's not going to be too rocky a road for the Warriors before he gets that opportunity um, but they're looking at looking to 2021 and again um, Roger is going but he's still here um, and just the the esteem he's held in by his teammates it's not an acrimonious split with the club um, or anything like that I don't think his teammates would be bitter or begrudging him um, what he's about to do at the end of the year um, and I, I imagine that it'll be you know, part of their inspiration, particularly after what he did, the sacrifices he made last year to, um, you know, to send him off on a positive note and and really make something of this year when they do have a, a pretty good top eight, fringe top four chance. Yeah, and I think I think he he's done this as, as, in as good a way as he could have. You know, he's given the club a year's notice. Uh, he, he, I'm sure he's been pretty honest behind the scenes. He came close to considering this a couple of years ago. So it has been on the boil, you know, and it's been on the boil because <laughs> because um, not only because he's been curious about rugby, but mainly because he's had to live through the the um, the chaos of 2017, first-year captain and uh, the eight-game, what was it, eight-game losing streak and, you know, really, really tough season. And then the chaos of 2019, you know, when, when everyone's respecting... He was expecting they're going to build on 2018 and, and turned into a terrible season. Um, and then he's had to live through last year, which was quite inspiring and uplifting in a lot of ways, especially for us fans. But for him week to week, it must have been a massive load, you know. So I guess that's what we're talking about at the start, that he's given everything he could to the Warriors. But the club, for various reasons, whether it's you know the way they've managed their roster, whether it's all the coaching changes, whether it's the front office chaos, whether it's the boardroom stuff, for various reasons they haven't been able to deliver him the stuff 
you know, creating a legacy and a dynasty and maybe winning the premiership. So, so that's why, you're exactly right, that's why his teammates, that's why I imagine most league folk don't hold a massive amount of resentment, resentment towards Roger because I think, as you said it really well earlier, he's given just about all he could. And he's been here uh, for, you know, since 2016. OK, that season got a bit ruined by injury, but he's given a lot. Uh, and this should be, it should be a great, it'd be really fascinating to see. It'd be lovely, actually, wouldn't it, to see him go out on a high and actually be caught in that situation where they make the finals and stuff, and he's like, oh, actually, it's going to be really hard to leave this club, and he's saying it, and he actually means it. It's going to be one of the, that'd be quite quite wonderful in a way if they could, if they could somehow have that kind of season. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what all... Um... All Warriors fans are hoping for, or maybe not all. There has been um, a bit of backlash to it, and a few a small but noisy minority that have uh, reacted pretty bitterly to the to the news and would like to see him go oh, okay. now and um, within the media and, and just oh, really? uh, and and within and from the fan base as well. But yeah, the overwhelming majority, I think, wish him well. They're just uh, you know devastated because such a great player and such a, a great ambassador is leaving um, when he's still got some pretty good years ahead of him but yeah again I don't think any uh, fair-minded fan would begrudge him a, a massive year and, and that's obviously only going to um, help the club and and benefit them um, moving into next year as well. Um, you mentioned the coaching changes and um, obviously the the joker in, in the pack for the Warriors season is how we'll um, adjust under Nathan Brown, a controversial um, appointment in many ways, and um, I'm definitely still on the fence about it. Um, and do you think that you know there's any sort of co- just a coincidence, or or the departure of Stephen Kearney midway through last year, and then the appointment of Nathan Brown could have made Rogers' decision easier at all? Yeah, that's a hard one, actually. I hadn't thought about that. that that's a, that is a really hard one because you're right. I mean, who knows what, what uh, Roger thought about the coaching appointment process? Who knows what he thought about the fact they let Kearney go? I know he enjoyed uh, working under Todd Payton. That was obvious. You know, the whole team did, and it created a nice uh, culture. But, you know, Todd sort of, you know, I guess he applied for the job and then he turned it down, so you, you can't dwell on that too much. Um, possibly... Possibly, um, although I get the feeling he might have made the decision anyway. I, I don't know how much of an impact that coaching scenario had, um, but, but but yeah, it certainly it certainly could have. Because what Roger needed to see, what he's needed to see the last few years is some light at the end of the tunnel. You know, he's needed to see where's the club going. Because Roger's so focused on improvement, and he's always improving himself every season. But he was looking around saying, well, wait a minute, where's the improvement coming from the club? And, and, and there was a lot of talk about what was coming, but, but it, it just it just wasn't happening. So maybe, maybe it was a bit of that, that he's like, well, gee, we've got another season of trying to adapt to new coach and new assistant and their ideas and all the uncertainty around that. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's really hard to know. I mean, the exciting thing is that potentially the Warriors will have um, uh, their, their most uh, impactful forward pack in quite a while, quite a few seasons if, if the two new big boppers get going uh, and they can really get, get rolling, then you know, it could change the way the Warriors play in the last few years they've had a forward pack that 
pretty middleweight forward pack that just sort of, um, you know, maintains their ground, but, but it's quite hard to get over the advantage line and really roll on. So, you know, that, that, <laughs> that's exciting. That's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I think my first uh, feeling when when the news broke was, um, you know, just so bittersweet. We've finally got this, uh, a, you know, a, a more dynamic pack and and roster that that uh, Roger could really thrive with. And then we'll have one season of it, um, you know, which should be a real launching pad for the club. Um, and then we'll have our best t- player taken out of the lineup. But I still, th- now after thinking about it over the last few days, I still think it can be a launching pad. Um, and, you know, we can still build on that no matter who's in the number one next year. I mean, <laughs> the fascinating thing about Brown for me, this is the thing about Nathan Brown. And, and he's really good to deal with and he he is a really affable bloke. And But the, the fascinating thing for me is that he is the mix of he is experienced but still unproven, you know? And that's the thing. That's what it comes down to. He's coached 240-odd uh, NRL games, plus all the games in England, but he's still that, that tantalising mix of experience but unproven, you know, a little bit like Matt Elliott was to a degree. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Kearney was less experienced but also unproven. So it's um, it's really up in the air, you know? And all, all we can hope for is that... Um, Nathan Brown comes to the Mount Smart, comes to the Warriors, and, um, and and puts together everything he's learned over his career so far, which has been quite a long one, and, and turns into a really good coach, like a Trent yeah. Robinson or a Craig Bellamy. That, that's got to be the hope, doesn't it? Yeah, that's, um, you know, and it, the chemistry can just work and, and mm. those sort of things can happen. I think... Uh, listeners of the regular listeners of the podcast last year would um, be very well aware of my thoughts on recycled coaches it just doesn't seem to work um, obviously all the Warriors coaches that have done well have, have been first time NRL coaches and, ah, and Tim, ah. Shane, Tim Shanes is the only um, coach with the Tigers in 2005 the only um, coach sacked by his previous club to win a premiership in the past 40 years so that's a pretty damning statistic oh, but, um, look at this look at this well, come um, up yeah, the but, end of the year uh, in January. Yeah, hell. yeah, so uh, obviously that doesn't; those sort of uh, things don't don't bode well for Nathan Brown. Not to say the recycled coaches haven't you know, made the finals and and, mm. and that sort of thing. So I think you know, getting us into the back into the finals will be a pass mark for Nathan Brown this year. Uh, yeah, the knives might be out if if we finish in the bottom half, given we were bloody close to the finals last year under Todd Payton, despite all our. Uh, handicaps, so um, yeah, a big year ahead, Michael. But um, and this just adds another element to it, another layer to it. The Roger two of us is shit news, but um, it doesn't make it any less exciting. No, and you know, my one, my one, my one question will be with with the new coaching team because it is a team, you know, with Nathan Brown and the new assistant. Uh, they're all Australian, and Tony Edo and Stacey Jones have gone to other roles is I just hope that we don't see a overly structured style of play. And because I feel generally, I know I'm generalising here, but generally that is the fallback for Australian coaches who have been in that system. That's the fallback. And especially it's a fallback if they're not sure or if things aren't going so well or if they're trying to just you know get a result. That's sort of the fallback. And I just cannot see that working. I don't, cause I don't think it's ever really worked with the Warriors to have an 
really, really structured style of play. And that was what was so exciting about last year under Todd Payton was he did, he did uh, seem to give them a bit of freedom and, and, and they enjoyed it and it worked and suddenly they're playing better and they're getting results and they're harder to play against. So that's the, um, that's the one question was that, that I hope that uh, Nathan Brown and his assistants can embrace the environment they're in and really find the right mix of um, uh, structure and flair for the Warriors in, in, in 2021. Yeah, I don't think that, um, well, hopefully he's uh, smart enough to uh, t- to go down that road because I don't think you put a roster together like this or see the talent that you've got at your disposal and, and um, get them to play like robots. It's, it's just, you know, all the recruits suggest, you know, a bit more of a... Um, Certainly, a less structured um, style than we saw during the most most of Stephen Kearney's tenure as coach. Um, and yeah, again, I think just a um, it's it's never suited the Warriors playing like that. And we've got the players to um, you know to let the ball fly and just get on a roll. The pack certainly has that sort of early two thousands feel about it again with Adam Fenwick and yeah. Oh, bring it on! Yeah, bring it on! Early two thousands. It is oh. exciting, but. Um, yeah. yeah, again, uh, back to Roger, it'd just be great to, um, you know, if we can go out with the bang and, and it's not, uh, yeah, um, I guess, a sombre exit for one of our great servants. Yeah, well, that's what he deserves, isn't it? He doesn't deserve a sort of a scenario they've got to win their last four games in a row and they drop a couple and they end up, you know, 11th. He deserves, hey, they're in the playoffs, they win, maybe they win a game, there's a bit of buzz about the club. And uh, he goes out on a high and a thriller in the prelim final or something, you know, or the one before that. That's um, that's what he deserves. And uh, and look, let's hope that happens. On that note, I think uh, 39 sleeps by my calculations until uh, Warriors play their first game in round one, and we would have well and truly been uh, over the the bombshell by then, just uh, rearing to go to get into the season. So thanks for for. Uh, joining us on this Warriors Live podcast again Michael hopefully we'll, we'll get you on um, when we're maybe building up for a finals campaign or something rather than uh, some of the shattering news next time we, we'll uh, give you a break um, but yeah again thanks as always mate and uh, look forward to touching base during the year no thank, thank you Will I, I enjoyed it mate and um, and I already feel better but you know it's been quite therapeutic to, uh, to talk through it and actually you know <laughs> I'm feeling uh, I'm feeling a lot better than I was last uh, uh, last Saturday when the news were confirmed so yeah I can't wait for this season to be honest I really think it you know <laughs> I know we've said this before but um, could be really exciting so yeah looking forward to it and um, and yeah great fun to to talk for you on the podcast absolutely mate thanks very much <laughs>